This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's a huge issue for anyone with a loved one in a nursing home. Is your mother, father, husband or wife getting enough care? And what can happen if they are not? We have all heard the horror stories. Patient-on-patient violence that goes undetected. Or most recently, a man found to have life threatening bed sores that were only noticed when he was transferred from long-term care to an acute care hospital. The recommendation is for every resident to get four hours of care a day. That, as they say, is aspirational. It's difficult to attract and retain personal support workers because of the pay and the working conditions. The Service Employees International Union has launched a campaign. Now, this is part of their bargaining for a new contract. However, these issues keep surfacing all throughout the system in both for-profit and not-for-profit homes. And with me in studio now, we have CEIU Union CEO Charlene Stewart and Kelly Stevenson, a personal support worker. Hi, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Libby. Very nice to be here. Great. Uh, I just want to add that, of course, we want to hear from you, people with loved ones in long-term care, with experiences with long-term care, and the numbers to call before we get to our guests, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And Charlene, let's start with you. Uh, in in a global sense, how big is the problem? How many workers are we short? How much time for residents are we short throughout the system, would you say? Right. Uh, well, Libby, my response to that is that we are in a crisis in long-term care. That's how serious the issue is at in, in this time in 2019. Uh, we've been sounding alarm bells for decades over this, and we are now in the in the position where we're saying there is a crisis in long-term care. Uh, it's we need probably hundreds, if not thousands, of more staff added to the nursing home uh, caregivers. At least hundreds of to thousands. The hours of care is an issue, like you mentioned, that we are uh, pushing for a minimum of four hours of personal hands-on care per day per client. Right now, we're falling short of that. The average is below two hours a day. So there's many issues of concern here that we're bringing forward. The reality of it is, at least according to the statistics, is that the people, the the clients who come into long-term care, when they come in, they, they are older, they are sicker, and there has to be more specialized kind of training, particularly in how to handle patients with dementia, who can become violent, uh, all these big issues. Exactly right. And that's all adding to the crisis of care is that the care is becoming heavier over, over time. And we have a 
much more seniors in the system now. Baby boomers are taking up space. And that is one of the issues is that the shortage of staff is also adding to the crisis because the care is much more heavier. And Kelly will have stories to share with you just exactly how heavy that care is. And, and Kelly, thanks so much for being with us. Give me an idea of what your day is like. How many clients, patients do you have to deal with? What are the kinds of things that you have to do for them? And, and um, how do you get it all done? Or do you get it all done? Uh, thank you for having me, Libby. Um, I work uh, full-time nights, and there are only two of us for 32 residents. And uh, we do everything just as in the daytime. We have to toilet residents. We have to reposition residents. And if a resident feel hungry or thirsty, we have to provide uh, n- nourishment for them. So the workload is heavy because we have high demand um, residents where you'll have, say, um, toilet in a resident. A resident needs to go to the washroom. I'll be toileting a resident, but there is a bed alarm going off. There is a call bell going off. Those residents are asking for attention. But according to policies and procedures, I cannot leave that resident in the washroom by themselves. So there you have the the bed alarm going off, but I am with that resident. How do I go assist that resident who is about to crawl out of the bed and have a fall. This is why we're asking for more staff. Uh, how um, have, have you had uh, been there when when things have uh, really gone from bad to worse because of that, where somebody has had a fall that could have been preventable or something like that? I have been because more times than many um, than not really, I am on the floor by myself. If a colleague calls off we call it working short because then that two staff if they cannot replace that person who calls off then i'm there by myself and i'm still responsible for that 32 residents charlene how many people should be on on a night shift that's i mean of all the things that are difficult to recruit, I would imagine getting people to work overnights is among the most difficult. How many people would you need for 32? Very good question. And there isn't a specific number to that, but it needs to be assessed by the, the uh, demand of care. So every home has got, to your point earlier, different um, levels of care, different residents that require various amounts of care, and it needs to be assessed on an individual basis. That's what we're calling on the corporations to do and in bargaining, that we talk together and work together on identifying what that is. There is no staffing ratios currently in this industry and that's what we need to start working on and identifying so that Kelly will have a partner to help her in nights. There have been a number of inquiries and as a matter of fact there's an inquiry ongoing now that is happening in in the wake of uh, the horrible case of Elizabeth Wetlawfer who Mm -hmm. murdered uh, patients in nursing homes Um, and the government has committed to building more long-term care homes, and we have a big problem with alternate level of care. So uh, are all of these recommendations, I mean, uh, are, are you on side with them? 
Do we wait until that process is finished? There's a crisis in long-term care that exists now. It's been there for decades. Uh, yes, that unfortunate incident has raised the very ugly story that happens, but Building more homes is not going to solve the problem until you address the staffing issues. The bricks and mortars is not what's going to solve this. It's going to be having the adequate amount of staff to take care of the residents. And when you don't have it, that that allows stuff like that to happen. Safety is a huge issue, not just for the residents, but also for the caregivers. So building more is great to deal with the capacity, but until you've got the frontline staff there to take care of it, you're not solving the problem. You're actually contributing to it. Well, you bring something up. It's not just for the residents. It's it's for caregivers, especially with an increasing uh, percentage of, of people in nursing homes who have cognitive issues. Uh, has that ever been uh, something that you had to deal with? Well, exactly. It, it has been because um, we have like heavier um, residents who requires, according to their care plan, uh, repositioning every hour or as needed. That means even if it's not that hour and you want me to reposition you, I have to do it. Now, if I'm on the floor by myself, which your care plan stipulates that you are given care by two um, staff. How can I give you the, the, the care that you need? How can I reposition you? So there you have like breakdown. Now you're having skin breakdown issues because I cannot turn you by myself until I can get a second person to come and help me. Now it's a matter of, do I, do I abandon you or do I do it on my own where then I'm going to sustain injury? So it's always that I have to deal with this choice like whenever I'm working short, again, if I'm on the floor by How myself. How often does that happen? One time is one time too many. For one person to be looking after 32 pers- um, residents, it's one time too many. And I'm not saying it's one time. I'm not saying it's two times. It's a lot. And it's too much. It's time for a change. Okay. Uh, let's take a call from Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat. Good morning. Uh, I have a couple of observations. The most important one is these things should be fixed, but who's going to pay? Uh, that's probably the sticking point. And a couple of other observations. Learned from a physician friend of mine uh, this issue of dementia and whether the person is violent or not violent. And that is a real problem for the for the workers. In the U.S., if you're violent and you strike out at a worker, you end up in the state mental hospital. And that may be not what we want, but this is a real issue. Well, it, it is a real issue, and there is specialized training uh, for that, because it, it, it's not that uncommon when it comes to dementia. And it's also uh, it's led to we've seen murders, resident on resident murders in nursing homes, which is something that we don't talk about often enough. Exactly. But that's the other uh, you know observation of the U.S., and both my parents broke their hips, and uh, being over age 85, they met the stats and were both dead in six months. 
And, Sorry to hear that. Well, no, but this this is God's way of calling the herd, essentially. Um, those are the statistics. And the other statistic, and I'm not sure what we do with this one, we spend approximately 50% of our health care dollars in our last year of life. Yes, we know that. So, well, <laughs> is there something we should be looking at from that standpoint? Anyway, those are my observations. The biggest one, who's going to pay? And uh, I don't think we can ask government to pay. Government doesn't have the money. Well, yeah, but government uh, government is responsible for this. Uh, Pat, thanks for your call. Thank you. Some some uh, <laughs> some places in that call, I have to say that I don't really want to go. Yes, it's true, and and um, you know, there's oddly good news behind this because the reason that the residents of nursing homes are older and sicker is because we are have more better years, and yeah. that is a a bit of good news unless you have Kelly Stevenson's job. <laughs> Um, in going back to the caller, um, yes, we do get, um, aggressive a lot. Now I find that there are a lot of behavioral residents coming in the facilities and we do get that training, that gentle persuasive, um, they call it GPA, right? But I find that we need more education on that because more can be done. There is always, there is always a better way. We need more help. And I go back to it again and said, more staff, better care. And if I can just respond to Pat, um, the people who are paying for it are the taxpayers. It is the government service yes. that they're providing. They're putting in hundreds of millions of dollars into this service already. The question is not who's going to pay for it, but where is the money being put in? This is a different time to your point, Libby. The care is heavier, more seniors needing it. We all collectively have to get together and see if the money that taxpayers like Pat and myself are paying are going to the frontline care. That's the question. And that's the question that we're calling out here because it's an easy and simple uh, solution to this is more staffing levels. And we've got to work together to figure out, is the money going in the right place? Okay. Let's uh, hear from Diane in Toronto. Hello, Diane. Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm, a, I'm power of attorney for my aunt, or I was, and I arranged for her to go into long-term care. Now, the first thing that was said to me by the personal support workers was, if you want her to be cared for, you should really arrange for a personal, private support worker for her. I didn't know what this was, but through my observations uh, while I was settling my aunt in over the first few weeks, I noticed there was a lot of sitters with some of the uh, residents. Now, this is a sitter that the uh, family pays for. It was $25 an hour, and what this person does is actually a sitter. They help with feeding them, looking after them, and... Uh, their care and this is what I did and uh, I really highly recommend it because what I saw what was going on in that home you know they have a six people at a table for example for lunch and they can't feed themselves and there's one uh, nurse or, or worker that's feeding them all now one would get a spoonful another one would get a spoonful and just watching them some of them didn't get anything because you know they wouldn't open their mouth or whatever and uh, she tried or tried or to a point and then give up, but some of them don't even get fed. So I really recommend if you have a family member that you're putting in one of these places, it is expensive, but it's well worth the money in and order for them to get the care. The other, the other point on that, because, uh, 
you know, uh, we have safety. We have in our time hired hired people to to do that work as well. It, it's twenty five dollars an hour. Uh, a lot of that money goes to whatever agency they're coming from, and the person doing that work, which is hard work, is is not making anywhere near that. No, it was an agency. These people are not from an agency. Uh, that was a our, different our, system. Our, our person was not from an agency. Where they, where were they from? Well, the one I found, she was looking after another lady at that time, and who, well, she was very ill. She had to go to the hospital. She passed away or whatever. But when I observed her looking after her, I was quite impressed. Like, she really, really cared. And, uh, no, she didn't belong to an agency. I know where she came from. She was a nice lady. She she did her job, and she really looked after my aunt well. And also, you know, for not just the physical care for feeding and that kind of stuff, but the safety issue as well, you know, keeping her safe from some of the residents that uh, have uh, other problems. Uh, so. Diane, thanks for that, and uh, okay. I appreciate that. Uh, okay. You know, uh, life is always easier if uh, you have a little more money to do something like yeah. that, which yeah. which is going to help you or your loved one. And thank you for sharing that, Diane. Appreciate okay. that. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, You're right, Libby. I mean, Diane could afford to pay, yeah. you know, a personal support worker on her own, but not all families can do that. Of and course. I want to bring us back to the fact that it's our money. It's taxpayers that have paid, including those residents that are in those homes. They've lived their lifetime paying taxes, hoping that they can end their years in, you know, a quality care and dignity. So, it's unfortunate that that's the, the place that we're at, is that people have to look at paying for additional care to get quality care, which we're saying is the responsibility of others. We've paid our taxes. That's the uh, resources, hundreds of millions, as I've mentioned. It needs to be focused back on the frontline care. And we need Diane and others like that to start saying that, like the money, which is lots, has to go back in the front line. And, she shouldn't and, have to uh, buy her own. And Pat also has a point. There's, you know, a finite, a finite amount of money. And we all know, I mean, all kinds of authorities agree. Yes, there is a crisis in long-term care. And no, it's not going to be better as, as the baby boom keeps aging. And as we live healthier, longer, and are sicker by the time we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, how long have you been a personal support worker for? I've been a personal supporter now for over 12 years. And uh, I'm telling you, as the days go by, I'm just wondering where we really heading. It's a slippery slope. Like, it's just getting worse and worse as the days go by. And who's going to stand up? Who's going to help these seniors who have already paid their dues? Why can't they get the care that they deserve? Have you, are, are you continuing in the profession? Have you thought of leaving? I the love the profession because that's the reason why I went in the profession, just so that I could help. I like giving back and the smiles that you get from the residents after you've say, you know, I love you after you finish something, the, the gratitude that they, they show you, it's just, it's, it's to die for. I like my job. I love my job. When I go home, I feel fulfilled. So I want to continue doing this, but 
not at the expense of hurting myself and not caring for my resident the way how I would really love to care for them and that the care that they deserve. You know, I, that's so nice to hear that because, uh, you know, we need more people like you, Kelly. We are, there are a lot of us. Yes, there there are a lot of us. You wouldn't, you couldn't imagine how, how we advocate for our residents. Every PSW, it's just, it's very care. It's a care. How can you not? You look at these individuals as your own mom, your own grandma, grandpa. You understand? When we go in, they look forward in seeing us. It needs to come back to, please, the people who need to care, please care. The government needs to step up and start caring. Take the money from where it's where they're putting it. These privatized people, these people that are earning these three million dollar salary, put the money where it's needed in education, in putting more staff on the floor so that our seniors can get the care they deserve. Okay. Uh, I just want to read, I got, uh, an email, uh, from, from a listener and, um, here's what she said. Yes, staff is overworked, but there is also a degree of lack of respect, care, and commitment. Again, respect for both the residents and their families. Is there a problem on the other end as well? Meaning from the caregivers? From the caregivers, yeah. You know, Again, when you're working under those types of conditions, you're rushed, you're, you're, and you've heard Kelly and many of them share her passion for the care. You're rushed and yes, things are going to happen and the resident is going to take it as not the kind of care that they were hoping of because they are rushed to do things in such short periods of time with shortage of staff and shortage of supplies. When long-term care is a run under the um, direction of make as many cuts as you can, you're going to see stuff like that happen. And without a doubt, they feel that way. Kelly says to me many times, and so do many thousands of our uh, personal support workers say, we've lost the care in healthcare. And the residents will say to Kelly was telling me, they're asking, where's Kelly? How come I don't have time to talk to Kelly? Why come and sit with me and talk to me? That is no longer existing in long-term care. So how does that resident feel except neglected? I mean, it's a perception, but facts are the facts. You can't provide the quality of care. And it's not just all health care. It's emotional care. It's companionship that those seniors deserve and they're not getting it. So is that a form of abuse? I would agree 100% it is. And as much as it hurts me to say this, I right now, the stigma is like giving care is like you're working on an, an assembly line. It's just we it's just keep it moving, keep it moving. You know, it, it's the next person. We You don't have the time to to even to say hi. I'm saying hi. And how was your day? And I'm moving towards the door because I got to get to the next person. Nobody should have to live like that. Nobody. And, and you were saying that it is two hours? Yes, is the average is, is two hours and less of care per, per PSW, like Kelly per day. Okay. And, and that is the time that they dress them and they, toilet they wake them. wake them up in the morning at, at crazy hours. They're up at six o'clock. And when I retire, I hope I can choose what time I get up for breakfast. They are 
rushed, pushed to, to wake up, move them fast to like one, uh, like Diane said, move them to breakfast, whether they're hungry or not, they're trying to feed them. They rush them back and bathing, you know, they're, they're average once a week that they get bathing, uh, rationalizing on, we've seen infections because of the, um, cuts on, on adult briefs. I mean, it's all, it's rush, it's rush, it's rush. Two hours of hands on care is the average in our province. The honest truth is, Libby, is that, um, I work from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And I need to get two persons dressed in each assignment. And each assignment, it's 32 residents, but each assignment is um, approximately like 10, 11. And I have to get two persons dressed from each assignment for the morning staff because the demand is so great. You got to dress all 10 persons to get to the dining room for 8.30 and complete maybe two showers. Now you tell me, how is it physically possible and what kind of care can you give? Are you giving that emotional touch or no, you're not. And they're asking this of you. But how can you give it when it's not? You don't have enough time in that in that um, time spent. You don't. So it's not possible. So, yes, you do have the persons that feel like they're on an assembly line. And you will find that people feel that they're not respected and um, it's lack of respect. But it's not lack of respect. It's about getting the job, getting the residents dressed, getting the job done, getting them in the dining room and getting them to eat. And that's the truth. Uh, let me just give the numbers out again. If anybody wants to share their stories, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. I am here with SEIU CEO Charlene Stewart and Kelly Stevenson, a personal support worker. And we're talking about the crisis in long-term care. We're talking about uh, the lack of time there is for personal support workers to provide the care that uh, that they should, the lack of time, uh, what happens when they're all alone. And we'd like to hear from you. Um, uh the lines are uh, are lighting up, but uh, we are soon going to be out of time. What would you like to leave us with? I want to say um, to the CEOs that are raking in these big uh, bonuses and salaries like greed is not a need. OK, please put the money and the focus where it should be, which is providing more staff for our residents, care for our seniors. They deserve that. Care for me so that I don't have to hurt myself trying to do a, a job that is meant for two persons. Okay. Please. I, I think, I think that says it all. Thanks so much to Charlene Stewart, SEIU union CEO and Kelly Stevenson, a personal support worker. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.